The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. And so the two kids stayed up. Awesome. And at, and at 11.53, my six-year-old daughter yeah. looks at me and goes, why are we staying up? <laughs> <laughs> I, had not, I had not explained New Year's to her at all. Right. Yes. Why are we staying up? I don't know. What is all this nonsense about New Year's? Just, just think how quickly it's all going to change in like 10 years. Or she's going to be like, I want to stay up later, Dad. I want to stay up later. Or, oh, yeah. or you're going to be calling and being like, where are you? Where It's, it's one in the morning. Yeah. It's it's one in the morning, little girl. Why are you still at this party? What do you think it is? New Year's? Yeah, right. I'm starting to go through that. That's oh, where no. that was my first year where my little girl didn't want to spend New Year's with us. Oh no. She went to a party. Right. How old is she now? She's sixteen. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I mean I can't say no, right? I mean, that's what I wanted to do as a sixteen year old. You don't want her to be lame. No, I don't want her to cool be lame. Kids. Right, exactly. And and so yeah, that's there it is and it's no. You know, okay, now it's it's twelve forty five, it's one o'clock and you know, you're waiting to hear from hey, where are you at? What's going Did on? Did you have to reach out? Well no, she's actually pretty good. She, yeah. because what comes at that age too is okay, party starts to die down a little after that, but now can we have a sleepover, right? So that's the yeah. text we get. Yeah. Can can I have two friends sleep over? Right. Right. And then it's then we we're finally have gotten to the age where we send the Uber for them. I don't go pick them up anymore. Okay. We trust the Uber. My wife for a long time was like, I don't want to get an Uber. I don't trust those people and yeah. I don't know what they're gonna do with our kids and yeah, all right, get in the car, let's go. And she's like, I don't know. Right, I was Well, I was like, Well I was like, I don't know. I mean, do you know any other place where you can get a driver and we can follow them and have a picture of the guy? I was That's like true. You know, I was like, Uber isn't worth seventy billion dollars because they've been <laughs> kidnapping kids, honey. Yeah. So I broke her down. We finally won. Yeah, I don't know anything about raising a, a teenager yet, but what I do know is she'll yeah. really enjoy you sharing the details of her life on the podcast. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. listen to this shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So we got a lot to talk about in yeah, this we podcast do. here. We're going to kind of preview some of the, the crucial games in week uh, week 18. But, Chris, this is the first time on this podcast uh, that you have addressed this, and, and you've talked about it with Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk, uh, DeMar Hamlin. Uh, it was, for me, it was like a, I mean, for all of us, like watching a real real life horror movie happen out in real time yeah. uh, on TV, a horrific uh, positive uh, progress being made for Demar Hamlin. It seems like uh, that is what has been reported by his family. They said, "quote Progress appears to be made." Um, so, uh, w- what are your thoughts here? We're, we're obviously two days removed from all witnessing it on on Monday Night Football. Um, 
as we sit here right now, just what's top of mind? It's for you? crushing. It feels like you're in mourning. I mean, that's what I feel like still. I'm mean, gonna do. It's it's like mourning for the human being, Demar Hamlin, and hope he makes it. A little bit mourning because of like, oh man, this is messes up the mojo of football a little bit and gives it, you know, a few more people some negative connotations to put around it. Mm. You know, as an ex player. Putting myself, you know, in the shoes of other players in their locker room. I mean, there's just so many emotions. Knowing coaches and people up there in Buffalo. So there's those personal connections. You know, I, I think it's just we never like to see anybody get hurt. We never like to see anybody get, you know, a devastating injury. We're all like, oh, gosh, his neck, his head. Mm-hmm. I mean, this went to another stratosphere. What? Dead on the field? Heart not beating? Like... And, and then I think what adds to it is the grandiosity of the game, game of the year, right? Yeah. We made it even more game of the year and started off with, like, fireworks where you're like, oh, it's Burrow and Allen, and oh, my gosh, Burrow looks good, and this game looks like it's going to be awesome. And then, like, what? You know, so it just was a huge blow to the soul, to the heart, and, and I, I feel for them. I'm glad the game was called, and uh, it's going to be hard for Buffalo to, to bounce back and kind of – refocus here they're the team that i look at more than any that's certainly got the the biggest obstacle to overcome i know cincinnati has some of that but at least it's not their player or somebody they know personally for the most part you know what i mean so it doesn't hit home quite the same um but just a crushing moment overall and uh yeah just it's 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 scary when you when you get into those conversations of death because of sports it's always scary. well that's why i think a lot of us and for, and for me it was it was just you get to that point where you're like what are we doing here yeah right i mean is it is it worth it it's certainly not worth death right i mean we would all we would all say that but no. yeah but i've been there I, I was gonna say that thousands yeah. of men are gonna make the decision right. to to play this weekend they're gonna play next weekend they're gonna play for endless weekends in the future um which I think speaks to what this sport brings to individuals, right? Right. The, right. the opportunities, the the positive things this sport brings, and so kind of take me into the to the mind. I mean, you has anyone else lost a spleen while playing football? I mean, you're no. in a rare situation, and you wanted to continue to play. After that, that, that. That's right. I had a love for the game. I wanted to play that year. I mean, when they were when I was starting to like, oh, I can work out again in December and stuff. I was like, well, maybe I'll come back for the next two weeks. That's what I love to do. You know, I I, I understand. I took. You know, the risk and the danger of playing football and that, you know, some some bad and injuries were going to come along with that. I, I knew that. I watched my dad get hurt a lot. You know, does it hit home when you go, wait, whoa, I, they brought my wife in to say bye to me because I lost nine pints of blood. I mean, mm-hmm. things like that that happened to me. Yeah, it's like, holy cow, that was crazy and wow. But it doesn't supplant my love for the game or the fact that I wanted to get out there again. And to your point of like, hey, horrible things happen. We know that through all these hundreds of thousands of football players and hundreds of thousands of football games, it's the first time that's ever happened. It's honestly kind of amazing. It's amazing that only I'm the only one that's kind of lost a spleen. I mean, and been that close to you know death that way. It it, it is. It's it's a tough, brutal sport. But I bet you, uh, you know, God willing, uh, Demar Hamlin makes it out of this. I bet you when he gets out of it, he's going to tell you there's. I wouldn't trade anything for my moments in the football and playing the game he loved. Uh, it's just, it's, yeah, unfortunately, it's the negative of the sport, and this is just the unthought about negative, the unforeseen negative, where you don't let your mind really go down these wormholes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's so much. 
We've made so much progress in the safety of the game in so many ways. Protecting the neck, that's gotten better. You know, we're still in the infancy stages of figuring out the head stuff, but we're getting better. And now there's going to be the, whoa, the hit to the heart conversation that goes along with it. Yeah, we know that's a possibility Yeah, now. right. And so there's just there's a lot of things that muddle this whole situation. And, um, yeah, it's, it, today, like right just a little while ago is the first time I felt like I was kind of coming out of, like, mourning a little bit and going, okay, I think it's time to push forward. And I think – you know, we're going to continue to talk and think about him, of course, sure. and the whole situation and everybody associated. But I know I'm wired, and I think a lot of football players are wired this way too, of like, you know, hey, we're not going to forget. But at some point, I think sitting around in a dark room, you know, consoling ourselves about it doesn't necessarily do as much positive as, hey, let's get out there, get going again. Let's pay tribute to this guy with – you know, going out there and playing football this weekend and winning a game on a big stage, and then we'll have a big spotlight on us, and then we can pay more of a tribute to him. I think that would be more the mindset you would see from football players and coaches, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that's where it's going to go when all said and done. Yeah, here. players back in the building. Uh, right, these week uh, the weekend games are going to go on still yeah. uh, in the NFL. And- I don't, how do you heal? Are you one of the? I'm a. I said this on floor the other day. I'm one of those that I, I, I like. I. I'm sad no matter what. Yeah. I'd like something to take my mind off it and push forward a little bit and 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 you know be able to console each other through that. Some of the camaraderie yeah. and hey, we're on the field today and good job by this and you know and and kind of that way. At least that's how I'm wired. For me, it's it's the same thing. It's yeah. it's pushing through and doing things that may feel uncomfortable, but right. I've never felt better than I do after completing something that was difficult, yeah. right? And pushing yeah. yourself through I think avoiding those situations and and of course we all need time to think and process and so that's perfectly valid as well but I think there's something to be said about about pushing through and uh, and continuing to to honor Demar and all he was trying to to prove on the football field with your effort on a football field as well I, I think one more thing for me is that yeah. what it, it shows is that there are so few things in in this world now that bring millions of people together right. at a single moment in right. time, which right. I think is very important. Yeah. Football is one of those things. Yeah. So it not only gives something to the individuals playing, it gives something to me and Definitely. all the people who never played NFL football and Definitely. never will play. It feels right. like we're connected to you and the players and the coaches out there. And I think people showed that with what they did with his charity, yeah. the Toy Drive, which has been widely publicized right now. You can see it if you're watching on YouTube. And Peacock, what are we up to now? Over $6 million that he has raised. Um, it just kind of, for me... In, in the horrible tragedy, it just kind of showed how much love, passion, and connective tissue there is with everyone who either plays football, loves football as a fan, yeah. and is associated with football in any right. way. And I, I think that's really important. So for those people that say, what are we doing here? It's just a game. It's not worth life and death. That's 100% true. Yeah. But I think it, it brings a lot. It, well, brings, it brings so much. And it does. I think it showed by the, by the charity drive. Gosh, I, I mean, I think a lot of the things I, that I think are quality things about my humanity, myself, we're built through football. So there is so, so many positives. And, yeah, I think it's great. We're seeing the brotherhood of the NFL, mm-hmm. the brotherhood of football fans, the brotherhood of, like, so what? You played high school football. I played NFL football. We still know what football is all about at its base level. Yeah. we got to play together. we got to support each other. Do your job. You know, work as a – that's how you work as a team. The camaraderie, all those aspects – 
hey, everybody learns how to take a butt whipping when you play football. Damn, I mean, we perpetrators, I just got my butt whooped all day. I got to just man up and own up to it the next. I mean, there's so many positive things. How to get yelled at from a coach, how to work with a guy that's from a different background than you are, right? All those things are all positive, let alone to what you're saying, too, I think here is it's is America's sport. You know, I know baseball was for a long time, but we know who the king in this country is for quite some time here. Mm-hmm. And it's a part of the fabric or the DNA of America right now is, uh, is football. It's our sport. We invented it here. It's what we like to watch the most. And uh, I think that's what adds to the sadness of this, too, is yeah. it's just because it's like it's such a dear part of our country and what we are and our traditions I mean, come on. Thanksgiving, New Year's. I mean, all the they're built around football. Christmas. Now. Christmas now, right. I mean, so uh, I think it just tells you that, and um, that's why we're all, everybody that's ever played football, watched football, we're all pulling for DeMar Hamlin and pulling for the Bills. Thoughts and prayers to DeMar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills, the family of DeMar Hamlin. Uh, hopefully, I mean, I've been refreshing Twitter. I'm trying to get away from Twitter, and I've just been hooked to it, trying to get updates and, and see how he's doing. So we will continue to do that all week long until uh, we get uh, the ultimate positive news that he has been released from the hospital if and when that happens, and we hope that does here very one, soon. One thing here. Yep. I don't want to see them replay this game. It's just got bad karma, bad juju all together, Okay. I don't want to see it. And you want to talk about the mental health of players. What, are we going to cancel the league and put these two teams back in the this, this scene of the crime again? I don't think that's healthy for anything or anybody, and it'll feel weird to both teams this fresh off of that. Nor do I want to see, wait, we play week 18, and then they have a standalone game the next week. Let's just move on. We cancel the game. We play through win percentage. It's not fair. It stinks. It's not fair to the Ravens. Of course, it's not fair to the Bills and the Bengals. The Chiefs are going to get lucky out of this situation, definitely. Right? It's not. There's it's, talk it, of maybe playing if the Bills play the Chiefs, yeah. of playing that at a neutral site. I know there is some talk there. If that happened in the AFC Championship game, right. You know, I, so I, I, I get that. You know, I, and, and what do they do? Okay, what do they do if the, Raider, if the Chiefs lost this weekend to the Raiders, right? Do they now go, oh, well, the Bengals would have won the tiebreaker and we'll play that at a neutral site too if they play in an AFC yeah. championship game? Yeah. I don't know where that ends, nor do I necessarily know if I want to see. I want to see somebody at home. And the other thing I'll just say is, you know, it's, yeah, it's unfair. I get it. And I feel I'm not, but like life's not fair as we're learning right here, right now. Ask Damar Hamlin and his family. It's not fair at times. And it's still, hey, yeah, it's not perfect for you, but you're still going to have a chance to go play this team and beat them and get what you want when it's all said and done anyways. And if you're the Bills, you can go, wait, we beat Kansas City in Kansas City two of the last three times we played them. Mm-hmm. You're the Bengals, you go, we went there in the AFC Championship game already, so what? And they got two quarterbacks that I think are the kind of guys that are just be in the locker room going, you know what, fuck this. We'll fucking play them wherever we want. Let's go, guys. Let's buckle it up. I'm fucking Joe Burrow. I'm Josh Allen. Let's go kick their ass. I don't give a shit where they play them. And boom. And so I, that's where I don't worry about the competitive advantage or disadvantage yeah. as much. There. And there's going to be a level of understanding throughout the NFL. There, there is. There's no it's perfect just, solution. It's, there's no here. perfect solution now. Yeah. It's just and that's just the way it is. So it, it, it's, it really stinks. It's unfortunate. And it's, it's like I said, we were at the high point of the year. Yeah. I mean, I was so excited. So excited. I was literally like my wife, like, come on, sit down. Who are you picking tonight in the game? You know, who are you going to take, Burrow or Josh Allen? And, I mean, stinks. 
yep. really does. Yeah, and it, it makes it uh, a little more confusing on the playoff scenarios here. Uh, but we'll get into those yeah. uh, because we have a lot of games that we've already seen. In fact, all these games feature rematches. And so what we're going to try to do here uh, throughout the rest of this pod is go through the games, the, the crucial games here in Week 18, and kind of look back at what happened previously. Yeah. All these teams played before. Are there things that are the same, relevant to this game that we're going to see coming up this weekend, or have all the circumstances changed? You can basically throw out that game um, from previous uh, weeks. So we'll start with our Sunday night game here, Chris, as we move on in the pod to Lions and Packers. My Detroit Lions are in Sunday night football. Never thought I would see the day. It's finally happening. And who knows, by the time the game happens, they may be eliminated from the playoff situation because Seattle... Uh, if they do win, then that does eliminate Detroit from the playoff situation. Green Bay, it doesn't matter what Seattle does for them. If they beat Detroit, they get that seven seed uh, in the playoffs. They played week nine, and it was one of the weirder games in the NFL because Aaron Rodgers had three interceptions in the game. Uh, one was in the end zone. The next one was in the end zone. Right. And the next one was at the three-yard line. Yeah. And so they were on the doorstep, right. literally in the end zone two times uh, when he was picked off. That has never happened before. Detroit won by by six. Detroit's offense didn't have a great game. Uh, you looked at the film yeah. from this one. Yeah. So let's just start kind of with the Packers though. Yeah. Okay. And basically Aaron Rodgers, that offense. What did you learn from looking back at the tape of that one that may be different or relevant to what we're going to see this Sunday night? Right. Well, there was a time of the year. I mean, you, you explained it right. You set the table. Right? I mean, the Packers kind of controlled the game. It felt like one of those games where you watch the back and you go, ah, they, they probably should have won that. The mistakes killed them. You know, like you said, it, it's three interceptions in the end zone. Yeah. Right? It's, it's some plays left on the field. Um, it was Aaron Rodgers at maybe one of the, I would say, one of the worst points of his career where he had no trust in the receivers. He didn't trust his old line. He was always looking at them instead of looking downfield. He left a lot of plays and yards on the field. And, you know, the Lions themselves, uh, they were worried about the run game more than the pass game in that game. Hmm. So there's some things that change in this dynamic. You know, first off, you know, the the Packers didn't have a a great day running. They didn't have a bad day running either. I want to say this. They didn't run the ball up the middle, kind of like we talked about with Detroit and Carolina two weeks ago. They kind of found their success on the edge. It wasn't the big people, you know, you, you expect, oh, wait, you know, they ran for over 100 yards. I must have done some things like that. And you go, oh, wait, no, it was Roger scrambling and a few edge runs, but they didn't win or just overpower them up front. So they kind of stood, stood, stood pat or stand pat in the, in, the, in the run game. But, you know, they played a lot of single safety defenses, a lot of run defenses, and it just was going back watching. It was jarring going, I mean, what, who, what teams have ever played like this against Aaron Rodgers where they just play, we're going to stop the run and give you some of the best pass looks you can ever get. I, I got to think this, is, this time around that, that this is on Aaron Rodgers this game. I don't think their run game is just going to dominate Detroit. And I think Detroit's going to play more of the – if they got to put one egg into the basket over the other, they're going to do, all right, well, the year shows us the run game's a little bit more dangerous. But if they go too far into that, the, Watts, the, Dob, the Dobbs-Watson combination was not a real thing in Week 9. It is now. And Watson's, of course, a real option. And he's in the trust tree with Rodgers. There was plays in that game where he's open. There's plays you know, throughout the game. 
You know, that was a game where they had Amari Rodgers and Sammy Watkins as two of their receivers that were playing a lot with Alan Lazard. You know, and, and even saying that, there were still a lot of people open and plays to be had. So I came away more than anything going, Rodgers should have thrown like five touchdowns for 500 yards. And if they're going to win this game, I do think it's going to be on him okay. and whether he can deliver some of these plays that are there to be had. So they have Watson now, yeah. and Dobbs has worked his way in maybe a little bit more now. Um, so that's better. That's a difference. Is Aaron different? Has he progressed? He has, but not as much as I would like to have seen him progress. He At least he's, there's some aggressive mindset, and he's not turning down all the deep throws anymore. So he just has most. Yeah. Well, just still not as many as uh, you would like or what we've come accustomed to see. Yeah. You know, there's games over the last few weeks where I'm still go. I mean, three years ago, you could never do this to him. He would be like bombs away and just go. I'm, I'm 10 for 10 on, you know, 50 yard bombs here. Cause you guys keep playing the stupid defense. Right. Yeah. So th- there's still that element, but, uh, I, I do think it's, definitely better than what it was at week nine, which I said was a, a real low point. So I think it's likely that the Packers offense plays a little bit better against a really bad Detroit Lions defense, but... Well, last one more thing. Wow, Colombo again. Colombo. This is where I think it's different, too. I'd be shocked. Your Lions defense, you know, you've seen, you're not that good at pass defense. Right. I'd be shocked if they don't come away looking at that film going, you know what, forget the two tight end sets and the running and all that. Let's spread them out. Let's spread them out and put them in a little bit of bind. If they want to play zone, they're not that great at zone, and I'll pick them apart that way, and the RPOs and all those will all work. And then if they want to play man-to-man, then they gave us some opportunities in the first time, and I hit Alan Lazard and probably should have hit him more along with other guys that I'm telling you about. Right. That's, that, that was what I wanted to say to end it up. Sorry, okay. sorry to uh, interrupt you for the first of ten times today. All right, so they'll, they'll probably score more than nine points. I would bet the over <laughs> on nine so. points for the, the Green Bay Packers, but I could also bet the over on 15 points for the Detroit Lions because we've seen that offense be very good. And in this game, they weren't really. Goff threw for 137 yards, had a pick. Uh, team ran for... 117. Um, so as you look at the other side of the ball, are there things that the Lions maybe can also do that would give the Packers more trouble than we saw the first time? Oddly enough, I feel like yes. And I know how good the Lions are at running the football and they like to do that. The Packers sold out in such a way to stop the run in the first game that I thought. Detroit almost did itself a disservice by like continuing to stay with it hmm. to where you'd go, no, no, no. You guys need to spread out too, especially on first and second down. You know, the, the, they tried to play, hey, we're going to run it on first because we're, we're good at running the ball and they were not playing great defense at that time of the year. We should be able to run and be in second and five or second and four every time. First and second down for the most part of the game was won by the Packers' offense. They, they stopped a lot of those plays for no gains, loss of one. Um, so that would be the big thing, but like that, what I, one of the things I wrote in my notes is, you know, the, the plan for the Packers D was obvious early. It was cover the middle three offensive linemen, you know, just pack people in there and stop the run game. Um, you know, I felt like the Lions could pick apart their zone coverages, but like, you know, first down for Lions almost always was an eight man front. Packers were playing single safeties, you know, but the Packers D was winning, you know, on first and second down. Where the Lions are dangerous is when they get you in those second and five, second and six, second and four, second and four, as you know, not only can they throw, but 
they can run for a first, which then also ties in the play action. So you're like really screwed when you're a defense playing them because their availability and the play calling and they're creative and all that. So, uh, you know, that would be my big thing. The Packers did a good job of calculated eight-man fronts and run blitzing on first down to not let the Lions be in the power position of second and five, second and four, where they are extremely dangerous. Yeah, you gave a special shout-out to TJ Slayton, the defensive tackle for them. To Daryl. Yeah, to Daryl Slayton. Darryl, sure. to- yeah, it's all right. What, Maybe TJ? He, doesn't he go by I TJ, too? I think he goes too? by TJ. You're right. You're right. I know him a little bit better than you, so I can call him <laughs> TJ. Uh, you said he was phenomenal in the run game. Kenny Clark, too. Yes. Uh, and, and even though they were able to pick apart the Packers' defense, the zone, and some of that short passing game, you did know in your notes that I they did. had as good a feel as any D against the Lions passing They did. Year. Like, when they did some of the play action and down the field stuff, you know, I think they felt comfortable about putting people at the line of scrimmage because they felt like, we kind of know where they're going to end up in some of these. Hmm. And, you know, had, again, combination zone coverages without me getting too in the weeds in here, but I, just as we always classify it. Just like, you know, they had a guy going to the post and a guy running the out route and a guy underneath, and they kind of had people waiting for all three of them, right, to tell me that their breakdown and their feel for the offense was very real. And they did a really good job of that. Um, so... Yeah, that, that's that's going to be the interesting thing, and that's where I could see them maybe coming out early on and going, hey, wait, wait, spread out. Yeah. We're not going to let you play these eight-man fronts. We don't know who's dropping in the coverage, who's blitzing and all that. Spread them out, make the picture more clear for me a little bit, right? Now I can see, oh, wait, the safety's creeping down. They might blitz, or right. this guy's cheating. And you also widen out those zone coverages. And Green Bay, who's been playing better defense and making plays lately, yes, for sure, You know, I still think – this is tough to match up with you guys and your receivers man-to-man, and they do have some good plays out of their shotgun spread where they can pick apart his own defense. Packers favorite in this game, gut feel, who has made the biggest improvement since week nine and who has the edge on Sunday night? <sighs> it's not your final pick yet. No, sorry. I know. I just I feel, I'm sorry. Pick. Sorry. No, yeah, I think the, oh, it's all right. I'll shut up. No, I don't know if I'm definitely going to – I just feel like the Packers do have the edge. I do have the gut feel of, yeah, it's at home. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's Green Bay. They got a lot of positive vibes going. Uh, it's certainly not a slam dunk type of thing, but I, I do think the Packers have the advantage, yes. What I will say, too, and there was some concern about putting this game in Sunday night in that window because Seattle, they're saying it might be unfair to Seattle because if Seattle wins, then Detroit knows they have nothing to play for and that they're eliminated from the playoffs. Maybe they won't give the Packers the game. I almost feel like the opposite could happen. It could take the pressure off. Exactly. You have nothing to lose. Let's ruin the Packers here. I wasn't going to call this play on third and seven. Yeah. But now, fuck it. We're not going to be playing next week anyways. Let's go for it. Yeah. Agreed. And, you know, last thing you said with the the zones, too, because I want to make sure I'm clear about that. Okay. You know, because they had a great feel for the zones and all of that. My thing was, I think they'll be able to play off of this a little this time, too, as far as hear what I'm saying a little. The Packers like to play zone. They're very good at, hey, passing a guy off, right? Hey, this guy's going to the post. And, you know, but but I think they're going to find ways of what I'm trying to say is to kind of expose some of the things they did. I think they're going to, find it, they're going to be able to find some ways to go, wait, in this zone, this guy did this to us, and they had one guy cover two of our guys. But if we just change the route of the one guy, right, 
they would have no way to cover this and they're going to be exposed. Yeah. Where I can see the Lions exposing them a few times through things that were done the first time to go, wait, wait, we're not going to let you do that again. You can't cover two guys with one guy here. We're going to change the combination a little bit and screw you over. Sorry about that. I just had no. to get that. No matter what happens, it's been a fun season as a Lions fan. Yes, exactly. That is my way of preparing myself for disappointment, which is we're very good at that as Detroit Lions fans. <laughs> you just prepare yourself for the worst, and if the best happens, you're surprised. Right. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez the hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. Um, so we'll see what happens Sunday night football. Uh, this one's for a division title, though. Titans-Jaguars, a cleaner scenario. You don't have to worry about anyone else winning or losing. Titans-Jaguars win, and you win the AFC South. Who thought we'd be saying that about the Jacksonville Jaguars? And we would not have been saying that if they had not beat the Tennessee Titans back in Week 14, so not too long ago. Yeah. Final in that one, in case you forgot, was 36-22. to Trevor Lawrence threw for 368 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Wasn't much of a run game for the Jaguars in that one. They didn't need it. Trevor Lawrence was just slicing and dicing him up. Derrick Henry fumbled a couple times in the game. Ryan Tannehill started. Um, so when we try to think what was relevant from that game to this game that we're going to have week 18, we have a different quarterback, and it's not going to be Malik Willis. Right. we got Dobbs in at quarterback. Um, so let's just start there. Um, what's going to be – what does that change about yeah. this matchup? I think that Dobbs at least allows them to play closer to the way they would play if Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback, right? I mean, he's not Ryan Tannehill. We know that. But like at least what we saw last week on the Thursday night game against the Cowboys as compared to a game we've seen or a few games we've seen with Malik Willis, at least there's a semblance of the drop-back pass game that does work with Josh Jobs. Again, Malik Willis is just he's very raw. We, we talked about that a ton during the draft process. So I think that's the big thing more than anything. You're not going to be able to go – wait, it's, it's third and eight. They're going to run the ball if Malik Willis is in there. They're just going to run it and maybe get the first, but just be okay with punting the ball. You're not going to have that. Or, you know, first down's not going to be quite as conservative. They might be able to go, hey, no, we trust Josh Jobs to drop back in a three-step drop a game here and, and get us, you know, five yards on first down. And so I think that's the biggest thing overall. Mm-hmm. But I think we know what's going to be the real thing here for the, the Titans. They're going to rely on Derrick Henry, Eating up the clock, right? 
few play action passes, probably a few screens to Derrick Henry as well. They're going to feed the beast. And hopefully that they're going to hope they can eat clock and, and let that carry them, and then their defense can make some holds and uh, they can win the you know a game ugly that way. So they were able to move the ball. They just had three turnovers. It looked like three or they three did. fumbles and one interception. I think three of those in the first half. Trayvon Walker strip sack started it, gave him a short field. Tannehill has an open guy in the slot, tries to throw it quick. The guy's not ready for it, not even looking for it. Interception. They drive down the next drive. Derrick Henry fumbles along the sideline. You know, so one's backed up, gave the Jaguars Titans, uh, t- gave the Jaguars points. The other one, they're on fringe field goal territory. You're going, oh, they got another few yards here. They're going to get a first down. Jaguars went down and got a field goal off of that turnover. And then they drive down, and they are in field goal range, and they maybe have a chance to score a touchdown, and Derrick Henry fumbles, and the Jaguars go down and get another field goal. That was significant. The Jaguars were offense was struggling a little early on to try to find its footing and how they wanted to attack the Titans. And those extra possessions kind of gave them a little bit better feel, finally got them in some rhythm, and I think they answered a few questions as far as how they wanted to attack, and then they exploded in the second half. How about the you, – you mentioned they rely on the run game, control the clock – but still remain aggressive. You think that's important for them because this is a different Jaguars offense that they're going to have to keep up with. Yes, they, they, they're going to have to. The, the, the Jaguars offense is real. I mean, it's, 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 uh, I don't think you could just sit back and just go, wait, we can win this game definitely 17-14. to 14. Uh, I think you got to have a few trick plays, a few well-designed play-action passes and things maybe to, to keep the pace here. You're, you're definitely missing something in Ryan Tannehill. You know, again, the, the, the Ryan Tannehill made a lot of big throws in this football game. Where, you know, throwing the ball was an, an issue with Ryan Tannehill. We knew that. They now have great weapons. They're not great in that department. They have nobody that scares you. Uh, so that's where it's going to be a big question. And, you know, um, I, you know, I the Jags just got to stop the run. That's the biggest thing. And that's been their issue the whole year. And in this game, for some reason, at one point in the game, early on in the game, they tried to play, wait, we're going to play Trayvon Walker at defensive tackle and try to win with speed up front, like four guys just to create chaos. And they just got absolutely gashed, absolutely gashed. And then they kind of adjusted after Derrick Henry ripped a big few big runs to start going, wait, we got to change it, and we got to change our fronts, and we got to play a little more run game defense and get some size in the game. And that at least allowed them, allowed them to manage some things. So other side of the ball, how did Trevor Lawrence throw for 360 yards, and will the Titans be able to prevent that from happening this time? Yeah, I think that, you know, one, they want to run the ball only to just keep the Titans honest. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball successfully. I'd be shocked. But the one thing I do know they can do is they can protect against the Titans, right? And I'm sure you saw that in my notes. Yeah. They, they're, the Titans can – I mean, the Jaguars can really protect. The Titans are not a great pass-rushing football team. And to me, early on in this football game when the Jags were kind of struggling, they were trying to run the ball, you know – Trevor Lawrence was not viewed as we're viewing him right now, right? There was He was blowing some games and missing some throws, and we were still in the process of like, wait, it's just getting good here with Trevor Lawrence. So I don't think he was totally allowed to like just tear them apart yet. I don't think they were totally in the trust tree there, right? They were starting to get some signs week before that, like, oh, wow, he's starting to get really good. But it was the second half of this football game where I think we all started to go, uh-oh, 
This looks like it's going to another level. And they were trying to run the ball early, high percentage, five and eight yard, 10 yard passes. The Titans were, as you've heard me say, they're one of the best pass off people and do all that. And they were playing all these coverages that were great for stopping eight and five and 10 yard passes. But I think what they started to realize is, wait, we can protect. Let's start getting guys down the field. And if they want to play these zones and try to pass people off down the field with this much area, good luck because there's going to be some big windows. And they started to tear them apart that way. And I can certainly see that being the, the case once again. That's interesting. They trusted their, their pass protect a little bit more as yes, the game went on. Right. They trusted Trevor Lawrence to take advantage of that yeah. as the game went on. It almost seems like that has carried through the rest of the season I for feel the like Jags. I, that, that's, that's what I mean. That's what I was trying to say, I guess, when I didn't. It was like, yeah, the first half, it was like, hey, he's been kind of good lately, but yeah. we don't totally trust them to just go out and go attack Trevor Lawrence. And then they got some of those turnovers. They got a few plays, and I think they started to realize, wait, we can protect them, and our guy is seeing the field great. Okay, I trust them. Let's go. And then all of a sudden it was 15-yard completion, 20-yard completion, 25-yard completion, and you were just like, oh, my gosh, they're just they're gashing the Titans' defense whatever way they want. And um, my thing with the Jags is don't fall in the trap. Spread them out. You're not going to be able to run against them. You are going to be able to throw against them. Even if you think you're going to get in run formations and, and then try to throw it, you're still playing in – in the the wheelhouse for the Titans defense. Because like I said, they can be creative and blitzes and drop out when everybody's close and condensed. I don't know who's coming, who's dropping out. You know, we're all close in here. The disguises get easier, all that. I would say this is another one. Nope. Trust your quarterback, spread them out, let your O line block them, your quarterback will pick them apart. And much like the Titans you think need to take a couple chances on offense, they might need to do that on defense yeah. too. Yeah, I guess. They're going to have to take some calculated risks. They're, they're at a disadvantage here. They are. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to maybe have to be, you know, fake, fake blitz, drop out, you know. We, we fake the blitz a few times. This time we are going to blitz. You know, but it's hard. This is the other thing the Jaguars are really good. They're good at picking up blitzes. It's Doug Peterson, you know, he's from the Andy Reid School of Coaching and all that. They know how to pick it up and sort it out the right way. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, the Titans have got their hands full here. And this yeah. is going to have to take a special game plan by them, I think, to, to stop the Jaguars on that side of the ball. It's in Jacksonville. I don't know the line, but I would guess Jacksonville's probably favored by three or four points. I don't know. Pete, do we know what the line is on that one? Pete's searching here. It was six. And who knows if it's changed since then. We're uh, getting a live of six and a half now. So Jaguars favored by almost a touchdown in I, this game. I, I understand to win it. the division they're, title. They're rolling. They really are. And you know, it's, 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 it's a tough one when you don't have your quarterback and you haven't been in a really good offense all yep. year long. And now you're going into a guy that wasn't even on your team earlier in the year. And like I said, they're them winning the game. They're going to have to control the clock. Dobbs is going to, of course, have to make some big throws. Yep. Um, and the defense is going to have to kind of be special disguises, blitzes, probably make a play or two to, to kind of get it done. Because if they just play at status quo or just go, wait, we're going to play you man-to-man, I don't think they can match up with this crew right here. That game's coming up Saturday night, 8-15 local kick in Jacksonville for the division title. The Dolphins can still make the playoffs, yep. hosting the Jets. The Jets have been eliminated. 
Um, but they're not a team that I, I don't think Robert Sala is going to let them just roll over. I don't think in, so uh, either. The final week of the season. So this could be very difficult for our Dolphins team that's not playing very well. And we got two um, Skylar Thompson for probably playing again yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't know. I, I think we, we don't know. We could get Teddy B. He's yeah. in the fold. He's in the fold, but he does have a, a broken finger, which I would think is going to make. Yeah, life hard. Seems like an issue for a quarterback. I I would think that's going to be an issue. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I know they like Skylar Thompson, and we'll see. I mean, for a full week of practice, I think he could do some positive things. So this is Mike McDaniel versus Robert Sala, some familiarity there that we could get into. But the last time they played was week five, and the Jets scored 40. 40 to 17. Oh, Zach Wilson couldn't have played in that game then, right? I mean, if they're scoring 40 <laughs> points like that, that had to be a Mike. Oh, no, he did play. Yeah, he did. Um, 210 yards, didn't throw a touchdown. Uh, no interceptions, though, protected the ball. They ran really well in this game against the Dolphins. Yeah. Had 135 yards. However, that was with Brees Hall, right. who also caught a long, near 80 yard catch shot of the backfield. So they will not have that weapon uh, this time around. But you looked at uh, the Dolphins' O versus the Jets' D, because that's probably where this game comes down to. Yeah. And the last time they did play, it wasn't Tua, and it wasn't really Teddy. He played one snap or a couple right. snaps and right. left after one pass, and then Skyler came into the game. So they've had a week to prepare as Skyler, if he is going to be the quarterback, as the guy. So what do you think Dolphins owe Jets D? How do they match up? How's yeah. That? You yeah. looked at the tape from week five. Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, the, the first thing I would say that just you, it jumps out to you is that the Jets are one of the few teams in football where it doesn't look like the Dolphins are in fast forward compared to them on the other side of the ball, right? So the Jets' speed is not – they're not overwhelmed by the, the Miami Dolphins and some of that. The other thing that the Jets dabble in more than maybe a team like the 49ers or the, is Seattle 3. And I do think kind of comes in handy a little bit in this matchup. Because it's eight men at the line of scrimmage a lot of the times. And we're talking about a team that is fast. So when it comes to screens and RPOs, that means they got a lot of fast people right there for screens down the line of scrimmage at the short pass game, right? I think that helps them there. Um, that, that's definitely a positive. I, I can't imagine the Dolphins' RPO game and all that being as dangerous without Tua, as we've said. That's definitely where he brings a big positive to their football team. You know, or their pass game in general quite being as dangerous with Skylar Thompson, right? They're, I think they're going to have to play a little bit of a different way too. Now, the other thing that jumped out to me in the game is the game went on, the Jets started to dabble in that cover four a little bit, right? Mm. And it gave the Dolphins some issues, which also I think prepared them when they played the 49ers who played cover four, and they said, oh, we saw your old coordinator do this to us, and we got something for you. We had a feeling you might break this coverage out on us. Right, So the Jets better be careful with that now because the Dolphins have shown they have a lot of answers to just absolutely obliterate cover four. All right, um, you know The speed of the Jets made it hard for them to get big plays of yak. Right, You, know, you didn't see Tyree Kill catch any balls over the middle and run up the field for 30 yards or you know, waddle and any of that because of the speed and the, and the scheme I'm talking about with people always kind of being at the line of scrimmage there. So those were all positives. Um, the other, the other aspect of this is this. It's another game where we can go in and go, the Dolphins weren't patient enough running the football, right? You, you kind of knew that, right, as you knew I was going to yeah. say that. Yes. And, you know, you, you're, you saw the stats. The stats are kind of mind-blowing. The stats are that of as you look at them and go, wait, why didn't you run it more? Right? It's kind of that. 
137 yards. Right. Mostert had 113. Yep. Seemed pretty easy for right. him. Right. And they I mean their their backs were average. I mean, you know, Mostert was averaging 6.3 yards per carry. Yeah. You know, Jeff Wilson's there now. And it wasn't like they were losing by 20 and so they had to just throw the ball because this game, misleading. this game was close. It yeah. was a two-point game. Jets were only up 19 to 17 in the fourth quarter and then they got three touchdowns late. After a missed field goal, uh, Skyler fumble at the five-yard line, uh, missed fourth down at exactly. the 30. So it was all Just, short fields at the right, end of the game. Right, It's very misleading. This was one of those games where, you know, I can remember watching it going, it's fucking 19-17 to 17 with Skyler Thompson in the fourth quarter. How is this going on? Right? That's where I was going. And then the Jets put together... You know, a little drive to give themselves some breathing room. And then, yeah, the issues and Dolphins started messing yeah. up. You think they can you, I, I run again on him, though? I do. This is, this is where it's not a great running team, as we talked about. But he's great at, you know, creating angles and getting teams to slow down a little bit because of the speed sweeps and all that as McDaniel. Also, the, the, the Dolphins O-line, it's not a – they're pretty athletic group. Right, Shanahan, that group, they deserve. They want kind of more athletic, more than big lumbering, and they were not overwhelmed by the speed of the front of the Jets. I think that was an encouraging thing. You know, the Jets are one of those teams. A lot of the times, you know, for most of their matchups this year, uh, oh yeah, you might be able to overpower them, but they are guys get off blocks and they squeak through a hole and they just yeah. you can't keep up with them. They create chaos. Right? They did a pretty good job sorting that out. They just don't fall in the trap, the Dolphins. I know I'm going to say this for every game here, but it's because I've learned something from the first game. Don't start don't, – if, if they're going to throw it 35 times or more, they're going to lose the game. I can just tell you that. They'll lose. He'll get strip sack fumbled or he won't see the clear, field clearly and he'll throw an interception. They need to live in the world of what uh, you saw me in my notes here. Run game, reverses, speed sweeps. Take advantage of the over-aggressive Jets defense. You know, run game screens, reverses, speed sweeps, play action pass. That's all they need. We know what the Jets' offense is. It's not that great. We know what the Miami's defense is good and can limit teams to scoring points. So if they can just, this is a game where, hey, it's not going to be the Tyree Kill 80 yard touchdown and, you know, Waddle show. This is one where you might have to play a little uglier football and play to win. 20 to 17 or 21 14, whatever it is. Uh, but don't fall in that trap of dropping back and throwing the ball too much. If they can win this game, they have a shot at that seven seed in the AFC. They need to win and they need New England to lose. New England in Buffalo playing the Bills. Last time uh, this game happened was uh, in New England. It was week 13. The Bills won by a couple scores. 24 to 10 was the final as we move ahead to Patriots at Bills. Uh, so, yeah, so New England basically has the easiest path right you just gotta gotta win you can still get in though if you you lose and then miami loses and Pitt loses and then jacksonville wins uh bill will have the patriots in the playoffs once again so let's take a closer look at this the easiest scenario for for all the fans in new england is for the patriots just to beat the buffalo bills um which i mean that brings into a whole another question of like what's the bills headspace going to be like Definitely. in this game and things Definitely. that you just cannot evaluate right. uh, on tape so we'll just stick to what we saw in week 13 here it was a game that the bills won i, I guess fairly easily even though it wasn't always easy offensively for them that that's the way to put it right it's it, i mean the question is again it's just i mean one of the things i think we'd start off just go what can we the, the big problem is what do we expect from the patriots offense right you know, I, the defense, we know what to expect to a degree. But, you know, can the offense help them out? 
Can the offense get to 20 against Buffalo? I mean, that's the real question. And, of course, the first time they played, that was the, you know, stop calling the fucking quick game. Throw the ball down the fucking field, right? Mac Jones on the sideline yelling yeah. at the coaches and all that. Right, so, you know, that that's one concern right off the bat. And, yeah, they're fighting an uphill battle on that side of the ball. The Bills' defense I mean, smothered them the first time around. They, they really couldn't get in rhythm doing anything. Yeah, 242 yards of total offense for the Patriots in this game. Right. And they actually won the turnover battle. I don't think the Patriots turned it over at all. No. Buffalo had just one. Buffalo at the strip sack. Uh, Uche ran Josh Allen down. Right. It's, yeah. It's, hey, this is tough. You know, the Patriots' defense is very good. They don't have a ton of superstars, but they're very good. They did a lot of things right in the first matchup. Changing coverages, mostly zone, an occasional blitz here and there, you know, early on. They were doing, you know, a lot of great things. I mean, different coverage almost every play, almost like what we talked about with the Patriots and Joe Burrow just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you know, but but my big thing is they ran the ball on the Patriots, which was kind of surprising. Be interested to see if they can do that again. Barrymore's back. That helps them out. You know, I don't think they really believe that the Bills would run the ball on them the first time. They'll be a little bit more focused there and pride and all that, too. Uh, and I don't even know if I believe the Bills can run on them again for another time in a row. I'm not sure I'm sold on that idea either. But the other thing is they didn't have really a plan for Josh Allen scrambling. That really hurt them. Whether it was running, him actually scrambling and running. Yeah, he didn't have many rushing yards. No. But you just mean kind of extending plays and letting yes, things develop. Exactly. That, that, that to me, it's, it's, it's a little bit, I felt like watching the game where they used to have plans for these guys. I think they finally just went, you know what? We've tried plans against this guy and they don't fucking work. So just go rush him and get him. Because we've done the whole, we're going to do the contain rush and quarterback spy. And he scored 41 on us, and we never stopped him. And then he scored 47, and we never stopped him. So that, 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 I think they gave up on that plan. The one thing I'm going to say, and I've kind of said this about the Patriots a, a little bit altogether, just changing coverages and hoping Mahomes, Burrow, or Allen get impatient and do something done, it's just – it's they've that's not going to happen josh allen's proven that he's punny patient i know he's done dumb thing here and there but it's the patriots he'll be extra focused he knows what this is about he's had turnover issues with them too and and my thing is like even though the patriots d playing good you know there's no stupid or bad you saw what i wrote my issue with them in general but especially versus allen is normal good sound defense does not beat them that, it's just not going to get it done. you know. I can go to the Miami game they lost, Buffalo, and go to the second half of the Minnesota game and go, you know what these teams did? They did a lot of crazy shit. They took some calculated risks and blitzed and did some things that they weren't expecting. That's how they beat the Buffalo Bills, right? You know, The Jets game, I'm going to just say the, Allen did two dumb things. Um, but but that, that would be my big thing there is that they got to force the issue a little bit. Just think we're just going to disguise and play cover three, disguise and play cover two, disguise and play man-to-man, and that's just going to get it done against Josh Allen? It's not. It's not. There's got to be 
oh, he never, we never brought this blitz, or he would never have seen this blitz on film. There's got to be a little of that here with, with those group of quarterbacks that I'm talking about. Hard to see a scenario where the Patriots can win this game without the defense making a huge play. You mentioned that there were a couple ill-advised throws from Josh he Allen. Did. He did. you got to take advantage of him when he does it. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the thing, too. I mean, he's going to be able to show them two, three plays and go, we could have had an interception here, right? And that's where I struggle with my comments I'm making. Because they're gonna, there's a little bit of the Patriots gonna go. Wait, if we just make those plays, our defense played really good. Their yeah. defense did play really good, but I've seen you play that kind of approach against this guy and Burrow before, and they have their way, you know. And there's no saying that Josh Allen's gonna, you know, do some of those risky things in this big of a matchup in Week 18. So that that's my big thing here. Um, the Patriots' defense has been making plays lately. Seven That's touchdowns sure. this year. That's right. So maybe they can make a few plays to help their offense out and give them the short field a few times. I think it's going to take that in this one. If they can do that, they have the seventh seed. They're back in the postseason. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. Ravens at Bengals. AFC North still up for grabs. The championship scenario there is a little bit of TBD, depending on what the NFL ultimately decides to do with the Bills and Bengals game. But we will look back at Sunday Night Football Week 5 early on. Seems like so long ago, doesn't it? Oh, my gosh. Not it's even like a, this season? Another year ago. I mean, uh, it really is. It's crazy. Lamar was playing. That just shows you how long ago it was. Uh, it was Lamar versus Joe Burrow, who it was like not really a whole lot of offensive fireworks early on in the game. And then finally in the last half of the fourth quarter, Joe Burrow drove the Bengals down 75 yards, two minutes left, scored a touchdown, took a one-point lead, and then Lamar went right back and drove him into field goal range, which was a 43-yard game-winning field goal attempt for Justin Tucker. That is nothing for him. He made it. Um, so it was, a, it was a good game. It was a good finish yeah. for us on Sunday Night Football, which we needed it at the time, too. Yeah, I feel we, were like, gonna, we were on a bad streak at that time. We're like, are we going to get a good game this year? It was a good finish uh, in this one. So uh, they play again, final week of the season. 
So what do you think? You you took some uh, notes on this one. I haven't seen these notes. Yeah, you had you hid them from I me. I hid these ones. Um, I you to so guess. so what did you what did you see from week five that is applicable now? Because Lamar's probably not going to play again. Yeah, right? I know that's where it's at. and you know it's like the Ravens offense. We know what to expect with them, anyways. I don't know if there's any like magic thing I'm going to tell you here. Yeah, they're going to run the ball. They're going to put a lot of like short to intermediate throws with Tyler Huntley. Right, they're going to rely on the run and hope their defense can keep the game manageable. To where again, this is like we talk about them, the Steelers. That's, they're just trying to win seventeen, thirteen games right now. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of wiggle room, and it's it's, it's boring to say, um, but I, they're not going to be able to take the same approach on the defensive side of the ball. And you know, even offensively for the Ravens, I'll just say life's going to be harder. The Bengals defense is playing better now than it was then. DJ Reader wasn't playing. He had just gotten hurt in that first matchup. Yeah, he got hurt. So he's going to be back. That's, as you've heard me say a number of times here just over the few weeks, he changes them. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Yeah, and Baltimore, see Baltimore ran, can run on them. They ran for 155 yards I the know. last time they played. With Lamar leading the team with 58. I, that, that's where they lose that. And with DJ Reader, I've, I don't see teams run the ball when DJ Reader's playing. So that, that's just the biggest thing. And I'll be... Definitely tuned into that. The other side of the ball is where, to me, it's, it gets intriguing. Just because that was the time of the year, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit before the show, right? The Bengals offensive line, we were doing podcasts, and I was going, they're worse than last year. Yeah. How is that possible? Right? That's what we were saying then. They can't. They're protecting him worse than they did last year, and he was like the least protected quarterback in football. And at least last year they could run the ball, and they can't run the ball this year. That's what we were saying in this one. Along with me going, they're too stagnant and simple, and they don't do anything. They were getting crushed from all angles. They were getting crushed, especially by me. Joe Burrow had to be like, man, I should have appreciated what my offensive line did for (laughs) me last year. Who knew? They're different now. They're better. They're better in every area, let alone he's figured out how they want to play. And in that game... As a totality, you know, let me just see. Like, let's see. Cincinnati ran 59 offensive plays in this game. I bet you 55 of them were zone coverage by the Ravens. Mm. You can't do that anymore, just as we discussed, right? People have been doing that to them all year. You know, he got so used to the, the offensive line not protecting. He's gotten so good at, wait, finding just a, you know, the smallest little flaw in a zone and let me get it out and do that let alone now they're protecting to where if you do play zone, they're, they've gotten a little more creative on the offensive side of the ball because teams have played them so much this way too. They have more inventory and in plays to go to. So if they think they're just going to disguise and play Tampa 2, disguise and play you know normal cover 2, disguise and play cover 3, it's just not going to get it done. He's going to tear them apart. You know, that, that would be the biggest thing let alone they have a little bit of a run game now that you have to defend. So that's where I'm interested to see what the Ravens can do. The Ravens' front four, I don't think, can get there anymore against the way the Bengals' O-line is playing. And that's going to cause some issues. And if they play zone, just like a little we saw with the Bills the other night against the Bengals in those two drives, I don't know about you, but I had the sense of like, uh uh-oh, the Bills are in trouble. Hmm. They are going to pick apart their zone all night long, which has looked like it was on the way to happening. And I could see that happening in this one, unless Baltimore does something outside of the realm of what they do. And they do play a little bit more man-to-man now. They have been doing more of that. But as you know, playing man-to-man against these fucking guys is scary. And you better be, you better pick your poison or, or just you know be ready. If you're going to take that chance, 
You know, you you better hope you get away with it because they'll make you pay. Seems like uh, the scales are tipping in the Bengals' favor in this final game of the regular season. But it's like the Ravens, we're talking about a possible AFC North division title here at the end of a season where they missing where they're missing Lamar for big parts of it and where they blew a lot of double-digit leads right. early on in the year. Right. I mean, that's kind of a testament to... You know Harbaugh and what Definitely. they do there—that they're still you solidly they're in be, the postseason, right? Right. Now. They're 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 the toughest franchise in football. I mean, they're in that conversation, like physically, literally, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. They, they they're mentally tough. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot to be said there, and they have fixed some of their areas. And like we've talked about, their run game has gotten going. They need Lamar if they want to make it be serious about a playoff run. Um, but yeah, I. I would I would think it's going to have to be something outlandish, spectacular for them to win the game this weekend against Cincinnati. Yeah, or, or maybe they can catch Cincinnati kind of in the dull drums of you know what happened on Monday night and sure. they're not focused and them still thinking about that. Uh, but yeah, the Bengals are just you know they're they they they're good. They're real good. Now a handful of games here. We'll go kind of lightning round style. Lightning, not, not, not super fast lightning. Yeah, like slower lightning. Like what would that be? What what kind of a round is that? It's just like yeah, thunder round. Yeah, thunder. the thunder round. Thank yeah. you, Pete. We're gonna do the thunder round right now. So don't feel like you need to go super fast. But we got one, two, three, four, five, six other games. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about 49ers here, too, uh, that have playoff implications here. So we're going to talk about one thing that could trip up the favorites yeah. in these games. Yeah. So we'll start with Browns at Steelers. Browns eliminated. They're gone. We'll talk about them next year, maybe. Uh, Steelers still have a chance, amazingly. They can clinch the 7th seed. they got to win against the Browns at home in Pittsburgh. They have to hope the Dolphins lose, and they have to hope the Patriots lose, which could happen. Those are, those are tough opponents, tough defenses that both of those teams play. Uh, Steelers are favored by 2.5. Last time they played the Browns way back in week three, the Browns won this game by 12. It was Mitchell Trubisky versus Jacoby Brissett. Right. So a whole lot has changed since then. Uh, Cleveland ran for 171 yards against them. So um, Steelers favored, though, this time around. How do you feel about the Steelers and what might be the problem for them against Cleveland here final week this season? I, I mean... I think the biggest thing is the run game. I mean, Cleveland's one of those teams that has shown the ability to really just kind of be able to run the ball against anybody. It doesn't matter. And that's what would scare me. You know, just that they can kind of control the game that way and eat up the clock, you know, run game, run game. Oh, wait, now it's eight or nine guys hovering at the line of scrimmage, and damn, it's Amari Cooper one-on-one outside now. And, oh, gosh, we blocked it up, and Deshaun Watton's sitting back there, and he's running some post-corner or corner post right. for a big play. But I, I think it's the, the run game that, of the Cleveland Browns to where I look at, you know, that could take things off rails, especially, you know, again, especially with it becomes, oh, this is a six-minute drive, and they ran the ball, and, you know, oh, wait, now the Steelers went three and out. Oh, gosh, the Cleveland got the ball. Oh, it was another six-minute drive, and they went down and got another field goal or touchdown. They could put – Pittsburgh in a game they don't want to be in. And that that's, I think, the one area I look at more than anything else. And again, if Pittsburgh loses, if the Dolphins lose, if the Patriots lose, then the Jacksonville Jaguars get in, win or lose. I know. This is crazy. And I think that's a very real possibility with the way you said it. Yeah. I do. I mean, I, I do think the Steelers are going to have to do a little bit like what we saw last week on Sunday Night Football. 
You know, one of the things I said in the pregame show when we were breaking down the Ravens' run game against the Steelers the first time around, I, I said to Tony Dungy after he broke it down to play, I just got I got to think the Steelers are going to have to play something different. They can't. There's just no way they're going to be able to go. Hey, do this, and you guys will just somehow beat them this time, right? Right? And I think that they're going to have to bring out last week, if you remember, and, and Collinsworth and, and Tariko were talking about this early on in the game. They had six guys at the line of scrimmage. They had five, line, five D linemen in, six D linemen. I think they might have to sell out like that. And, mm-hmm. again, just take your chances of going, hey, we're going to be one-on-one with Cooper or we're going to shade the safety over there and we'll take our chances, but we're not going to let Nick Chubb and company just you know, gash us. So Pittsburgh trying to get into the postseason. The Chiefs are solidly in, still have a chance at the one seed, depending on how it all shakes out yeah. uh, with Buffalo here. They take on the Raiders. They are favored by 7.5 points in Las Vegas, which maybe is a little surprising yeah. when you consider what happened in Week 5, Monday Night Football, where the Chiefs won by just a point against Las Vegas, despite Patrick Mahomes throwing four touchdown passes all to Travis Kelsey uh, in the game. Josh Jacobs ran for 154 yards against the Chiefs in that one. So what could trip up Pat, Andy, and the Chiefs? Well, one, I mean, the Chiefs are the ultimate, like, take the foot off the gas pedal and screw around, right? So, I mean, that's an obvious one, as you know. Like, uh, you've heard me kind of complain about that the last few weeks with them on the offensive side of the ball. Just going, man, there's more plays and points, and they have moments of being so awesome, and then all of a sudden they take two or three drives off. That's always a possibility with them. But I think realistically it's a little bit what we saw in the first matchup. You know, one uh, – I would think they think we can move the ball on the Chiefs' defense. And we can not only run the ball, but we're going to be able to push the ball down the field with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro healthy and all that right now. And Jared Stidham. And Jared Stidham. Now, where the Chiefs are different is the Chiefs are starting to expand their playbook on the defensive side of the ball, as I told you last week a little bit. And they are starting to have their moments of – We'll take a calculated risk, or we're going to double this guy. We don't give a shit. You're going to have to beat, beat us with somebody else. They're starting to do more and more of that. Um, but I, th- that, to me, would be the thing I would look at. I think this is a Raiders offense that has a lot of confidence with Jared Siddham. Again, I don't think they made that move without feeling the team and players. You know, And I'm not saying it was fair to Derek Carr, because it, it does seem a little unfair to him in a lot of ways. But... Uh, I, I don't think they would have made that move unless they thought this guy could be dangerous and do some of the things we saw him do to the 49ers last week. And that's where I could see this becoming, you know, interesting. Josh Jacobs runs the ball well. Big play action passes to Waller and Renfro, and all of a sudden we're sitting there going, it's 27 all, you know, with the five minutes left in the game. And, and, and that's where it could be dicey. Aren't a whole lot of games this season, week 18, where teams can just rest guys? I feel I know. like there are fewer no. this year, especially with the good teams yeah. at the top still fighting for a one seed. I, I guess it's I the one I can't remember buy. ever yeah, right, right? where it's this, this much, right? I mean, it's, this is, uh, yeah, it seems, it seems crazy. It's definitely different. We would have thought that the Eagles would have had the one seed wrapped yeah. up a couple weeks ago, but they've lost a couple in a row now. No Jalen Hurts has been a big reason why. They can clinch the one seed finally with a win. Hosting the Giants, they can also get it if the 49ers and Cowboys lose, but the easiest path is beat the Giants, who are one of those rare teams this year that really have nothing to play for. They're yeah. locked into their playoff seed. I know. I, I wonder what the Giants' approach is going to be to a degree. I mean, again, I know you want to play and all that, but 
at the same time, I don't know, do you want to play to such an extent that you could wear out your football team and you could be maybe banged up and injured for the wild card round? I think that's always a, a valid discussion here. Um, uh, the only way I really feel like, you know, it would be Eagles' mistakes. Yeah. I feel like more than anything. They're favored by 14. Right. They beat them 48-22 in week 14. It's not a favorable matchup for the Giants. You know, it's the Giants, again, they're not great at stopping the run, and we're talking about a team that runs it on anybody they want. And then, oh, the Giants like to play man-to-man and have to load the box to help stop the run, and nobody wants to play man-to-man against these guys. So that's where they're really screwed. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's that. Mistakes or maybe can their run game go off? Can their run game go off to what we just talked about there you know, a few minutes ago? Can they control the clock and do almost what Washington did to a degree? Mm-hmm. Washington, when they beat Philadelphia, long drives, converting a ton of third and threes, right, and third and twos, and running for four or five yards on first down, so they were always in second and manageable. Uh, maybe that's it. But this is a, not a favorable matchup for the Giants. And Jalen Hurts, what's the latest with him? Do I, I don't think Pete, we know for we sure. You know, I think he is practicing. You know, today's the day I think we'll get a better gauge here in a little while to know how much he practiced and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no no, no uh, definitive word right now. But this is a kind of game and a bad matchup for the Giants, and it might be resting their starters that, I don't know, even if Gardner Minshew has to play as bad as he is, they might still win this <laughs> you're game. Funny. You're funny. You're a very here. funny guy over there. <laughs> you want to go down that road? <laughs> sure. Uh, so, Eagles, it looks likely they're going to get the one seed, but you never know. NFL is uh, is pretty crazy. Yes, it is. Uh, if they slip up, maybe the Cowboys have a chance to, to get up there. They are at Washington. Dallas favored by five and a half. Last time they played was way back in week four. Dallas won by 15, 25 to 10 in a Cooper Rush game. That was back when we were saying Cooper Rush might be the answer yeah. to the Dallas Cowboys. Ride the hot hand until he lost. And the deck was like, all right, I'll come back right. uh, next week. Uh, this game early in the fourth quarter, they kind of put it away with a 30-yard touchdown pass to, to C.D. Lamb. But if anything is going to trip up the Dallas Cowboys this time against the Commanders, it will be? Well, I mean, maybe the D-line can make some play, right, and get a strip sack fumble. For but, Washington. I mean, yeah, but I, I don't. I just think Dallas is so good on offense right now. That's really not my concern or where I see the problem is. To me, it would be the only issue here is this Dallas getting too overly aggressive on the defensive side of the ball to where they just give Heineke too many one-on-one opportunities and McLaurin or Curtis Samuel to where it's just like, well, yeah, they run 4-3. What did you think was going to happen when you just get in their face play after play after play, right? That would be the one where – you know, I, th- that would be the, the, the spot I'd go, oh, wait, let me, let me be careful here a little bit. Let me mm-hmm. not give them too many chances for their, one of their freaky receivers and speed burners to burn us that way. So that would be the only way I could kind of see them messing this up. Of all the teams that I feel like could just fall apart week 18, the Washington Commanders seem like a, a top choice well, It for seems me. weird right now. You're right. It's over. It's just the last, you know, the Wentz, the Heineke, now back to Heineke and – you know, people making a bigger deal of Ron Rivera not knowing they were eliminated and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah I, I hear what you're saying. They're just like, get me out of this yeah, season. Get me out of here. All that's happened with the ownership and all that's just yeah, like, it's get a me. lot of crap. It like, is. They're, they're half, half foot out the door, uh, halfway out the door. Uh, Vikings at Bears. This is significant because Minnesota can clinch the number two seed with a win and a 49ers loss. And so for seeding purposes right here, uh, they're favored by only five and a half points in Chicago. That's going to go up. You do think it's, it's going to go, go up? up? Well, because look at the line below it. Oh, hold on. Keep what was going. the line below it here? Yeah. Oh, Justin Fields is out. Yeah. 
Right. So there is no chance the Bears can win the game. That's over. So we can just move on to the next one? Yeah. Uh, See, now it's minus eight now. Oh, it's minus eight. Wow, he was right. Yeah. Just in that 30 seconds, it's gone up to to minus eight. That's why BetMGM pays me so much money. I just, the line (laughs) moves when I say it. Uh, which watching Justin Fields play against my Detroit Lions last week, it did look like he wanted to just be done with the season. It's just early on in that game. Too much of a beating. It took too many shots in that game. It's just too much. I would say, yeah, he would be the reason you'd go, okay, maybe they can make it happen. But I I don't see any other way. I mean, again, unless their offensive line and their running game can just absolutely ruin the game and dominate, which I know it's good, but I, I don't... It's not as good without Justin Fields and his ability to run and that threat either. So uh, I did, like I know I was supposed to give one thing that could take the favorite down, but that one thing is gone because Justin Fields is hurt yeah. and he's not playing, and I don't think there's anything in this one for, for my liking. I hope the Vikings can keep it a one-score game, though, so that they can improve to 12. Oh, it's very important. Very one-score games heading into the postseason. Uh, one more game I want to talk about because it is important to my Detroit Lions. Yeah. So Rams at Seahawks. Uh, Seattle can clinch the number seven seed if they win that game, but they also need my Detroit Lions to beat the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. Uh, My Lions can get in if the Rams can figure out a way to win this game, which they almost did in Week 13 in L.A. It was 27-23 was the final. Seattle won this game, but they needed a 10-play, 75-yard drive to win it in the fourth quarter. It was Geno to DK Metcalf for an eight-yard touchdown with 41 seconds left in a game that the Rams were starting John Walford. So they were well into beat-up Rams territory that we've seen this season. So it was close in these circumstances. Hey, who knows? Maybe it can be close again. I, 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 don't, I wouldn't be shocked by that. I mean... I, you kind of just said what I think is what's the one to do exactly what they did the first time, except you have Baker Mayfield, and I would expect you're going to have some more plays in the pass game this time around. Yeah, right? they ran for 100. The Rams did ran right. for 171 yards in that game. You think they can do that again? I, I do. You've heard my concern. Seattle can't stop the run. It's when they become when you come pass happy that Seattle likes to go. Ooh, I like this. This is awesome. And I the Rams, yeah, run the ball. They'll be patient with it. McVay usually is, and then Baker's a good play action passing quarterback. That's and and their defense, yeah. As we've talked about, they they still got talent over there, and there's a I think a schematical understanding with yeah the the guy that's Shane Waldron. He came from the Rams, so they get what how he works and operates there. I don't think it's crazy to think that that could happen there. I don't think the Rams are the type of team that are going to lay it down either. They're not that way. They're a feisty group, and McVay and Baker Mayfield. They're they're going to want to finish strong here. So you know, I don't think it has to change a whole lot from the first time around, other than they just need a little bit more out of the quarterback. The 49ers, they host the Cardinals. Last game we'll talk about yeah. here. Uh, 425, should beat the Cardinals there, and it is significant yeah. for the 49ers because you can lock in that number two seed, and then you'll play either Seattle, or you're going to play Green Bay, or you're going to play the Lions. So I ask you, Chris Sims, if you're the 49ers, who are you rooting for? Who would you rather face in that first playoff game? I. Who do you match up with the best? I know it's it's it's. There's something about me that wants to say you don't want to play the Seahawks. I don't know why. It's just a divisional rival that's, you know, they've shown a little bit of a propensity to have a feel for Shanahan's offense. You know, their 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 offense is dangerous. You know, they I I know they haven't been able to protect. So maybe I'm wrong there. But. Gosh, 
I, I guess the team I look at, it, it is the Seahawks or the Lions. Packers would still scare me. Yeah. Packers, they're running the ball. You know, they have experience against the 49ers, too, so they kind of know how they operate. Matt LaFleur might yeah, have a few tricks right. up his sleeve. This is scary. Rodgers going for broke. That would scare me. I guess if you're going to make me choose, I am. you know, one or the other, I think I'm – I think I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Oh, I am over my Detroit Lions. I, Detroit would still scare me, and the fact that I think their run defense is better than people think up front. I think those D lines. You've heard me say the last few weeks, it's not their D linemen that get pushed around a whole lot, and that offense would scare me. It just would. It's it's balanced, and you know it, they're an offense that I think can maybe replicate a little bit what we saw the Raiders do to the 49ers last week and put them in some tough spots. Not only creative good concepts, we got good play action pass, and we can run it well. And so you can't ever just you know angle yourself to play one particular area more than the other. Where you know, yeah, Seattle, I feel like they're going to go wait, wait, they can't really run the ball on us. And they can't really stop the run. So that's just advantage us all the way. And so, yeah. yeah, after a lot of hemming and hawing there, I'm going Seattle. Seattle Seahawks. That's who the 49ers. Who would have thought the 49ers would be rooting for that fierce division rival and Pete Carroll uh, to get into the postseason? We'll see if that, if that happens. We'll also see who finishes out the year strong. Man. Because these offseason awards are coming up. They are coming. Our Bet MGM Comeback Player of the Year odds. Now, this is interesting because you got a couple players out there in the NFC West. Christian McCaffrey. Along with Geno Smith, the co-favorites at this moment, plus 175. Saquon Barkley, the third choice. Jared Goff now, the fourth choice at plus 1,000. Wow, look at Jared getting in the mix here. Now, um, Didn't he play last year? That's what I was just going to say. It was so, like, so that, see, that, that, well, so that, that's, see, this is to me where the media and people want it both ways, right? Uh-huh. They want to tell you they should replace him with Matt Stafford and that he's actually better. Yeah. But then they're also going to admit he wasn't very good last year. He was so bad, actually, we're going to give him the comeback player of the year from just being bad. He <laughs> yeah. wasn't even hurt or an injury. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's where I don't understand, I mean, the, the talk sometimes. I and feel like we need to clarify this award. I, I feel well, like there that needs, needs clarification. clarification big time. That what is he coming back from? And now you're admitting that maybe you don't trade Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff. But okay, he was hurt a little bit last year. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe so. if you're hurt one game and that's yeah. it, you're like, okay, you can get. You're, you've now qualified for comeback <laughs> player of the year. Uh, but they are good stories. And Christian McCaffrey missed a big portion of the year. He did. I don't know. I like Gino. I like the Gino story. That'd be my pick. To me, it's Gino or Saquon. Man, Saquon, the year he's had. It's been special. Mm-hmm. They've had to ride him and Daniel Jones running the ball, yeah, right? Sa- Saquon, too, I think there were questions whether or not he could ever get back get to Get back to what before. he was, yeah. right? Right. Now he's, now we're going, whoa, they might have to give him a top-tier contract you know, yeah. for running back, right? I mean, that's where it's gone to. I think Geno's the guy I favor, though. I mean, come on. If this was another name of a quarterback that was a little bit more famous, it wouldn't even be a conversation. Come on. If this was, if this was like... Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, any of the top-tier quarterbacks who yeah. were missed all last year because of a, an, 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 a knee injury, yeah. and they came back and were fifth in quarterback rating with 29 touchdowns and nine interceptions, we'd all go, it's not even a contest. I think you're right. Right? 
But it's Geno, so now he's fourth in the betting. Even a guy like Baker Mayfield. Right, exactly. That, there yeah. you go. There's just there's there's so that's where it, yes, it's Geno to me all the way. I'm with you there. I'm trying to think now who has got the leg up on next year's award. I guess maybe Lamar Jackson, right? He's missed a lot of games, right? Can <laughs> yeah. he do it? Uh, yeah. So those are the uh, current odds, comeback player of the year. We'll have those debates as the uh, offseason progresses here. Uh, the action never stops at BetMGM. You can sign up now using the bonus code SIMS. Your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. So say you bet $100 on Saquon Barkley to win comeback player of the year. Mm-hmm. If you win, you'll get $225. And Morgan will be be very happy she's fist pumping over there (laughs) but if you lose you still get a hundred dollars worth of free bets simply download the bet mgm app today or go to betmgm.com enter the bonus code sims to make your first wager risk-free up to one thousand dollars the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Now we play some music. We haven't played music yet in this pod. What's going on? We play music for the first time because it is time to give out the Week 17 Big Bud Awards. Booyah, booyah, it is we that time. Like big butts and we cannot lie. The big butt of the week. Oh. Time to give some love to these Ooh, big guys. Some touches. It's a couple sacks, forced <laughs> fumble. He's a butting superstar. Woo. Give it to him, Ahmed. One butt cheek. And this is why you're the big butt expert of the world right now. Woo. Of the world. Not even of this country. Of the world. Or of Connecticut. Of the world. Of the world. Did you tell your wife that? Did, I, I don't think it should be part of the yeah, swag. I don't know how what she'd hey, say. Hey, honey, about that. make a shirt that says "I'm the big bet, big butt expert of the world." <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll see. I'll, I'll I'll have. Oh yeah, next Christmas, Pete says I'll have you uh, uh, tell her that. Okay, uh, informer of that decision. Uh, I'll start with the edge. Yeah, because I get to hand it out to my guy yeah. for the first time all year. A Detroit Lion has won a big butt award. Edge. Big butt of the week goes to Aiden Hutchinson with his NFL high six hurries. Got his third pick of the season. Also had a sack. Although I do want to give an honorable mention to his teammate. Oh, six look round at draft See, pick. He goes Detroit. Now we give two awards out. Well, okay. I, I, hat tip. A tip of the hat. Still one award they can share. They can maybe exchange uh, homes every other week. Uh, James Houston also had three right? sacks in this one. And I didn't realize this. So Houston leads all rookies with eight sacks now. And Aiden is second with seven and a half. It's amazing. I mean, Houston is like, you know, a few weeks ago, I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, who is this small dude that flies around the edge, right? I mean, he's got a little of like this Elvis Doomerville, right? That okind okay. of guy. Yeah. Or, um, you know, uh, gosh, the outside linebacker for the the Steelers. They won defensive MVP. The linebacker, 92. H- Harris. Uh, uh, Harris. H- no, uh, 
Uh, Harrison. Yeah. What the um, hell's his first name? I'm blanking. I used to do the weightlifting yep, videos. Yep. I mean, uh, James Harrison. James Harrison. Holy crap. Yeah. That's just tell you, that's too many football players. If I can't remember a legend like that, holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. He's got kind of that build and way about him. You know, it's rare to see somebody like compact like that be that great of a pass rusher, but his explosion is real. And to your other guy, I mean, as we discussed on Monday a little bit, yeah. the guy's just a, a football player. He's a he's a baller. He really is. He does everything awesome. Um, shows up in every aspect of the game. You know, so yeah, good. Good for Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of excited about the Lions. Keep everyone together on offense. Yeah. Jamison Williams gets a whole year. Exactly. And then use your two first round picks or two second round picks. Use them all. Yeah. Use all four of those picks on defense. DBs. Secondary. Yeah. yeah. Maybe another linebacker, another pass rusher, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, wherever we go there. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I'm, I'm with excited. you. I'm excited about my Detroit yeah. Lions. Defensive tackle big butt of the week award goes to a New England Patriot. Christian Barrymore had seven pressures, three quarterback hits. Both of those were career highs. They also led the NFL in defensive tackle pressures and quarterback hits this week. So he's come on here lately. Yeah. I well, believe, he's, right? he, was he was hurt, hurt for a while, right? Is, is, is one Knee thing. inflammation. Right. Now it's, he's played three games in a row. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those where, you know, watching back that Buffalo game, you, you were going, oh, yeah, damn, yeah, I forgot they didn't have Christian Barrymore. Christian Barrymore is a really good player. And like we talked about a lot last year, a lot of the year last year, I was going, I'm not so sure he's not their best pass rusher, right? Uh, His ability to kind of push the pocket and win against the, the bigger, slower-footed interior lineman was a great advantage for them. You know? so, and, and that's where you talk about the future for your Lions. This is where the Patriots can be scary in the future. You're going to block that guy, Judon and Uche, Uche on the edges, like – those guys, two of those guys are going to have one-on-one matchups. There's going to be an issue there. Um, so the, the future is bright as far as that's concerned. But, yeah, Barrymore is going to have to have another big one this week. He's going to have to. Yeah. And maybe that's the way they can win it, like we talked about. Creative, take a few chances. He pushes the pocket. Uche and Judon hopefully can kind of contain him, sack him as he tries to get out of the pocket. And maybe they can get it done with that group there. We'll see. He's got the added confidence of winning a big butt of the week award. So congratulations, Christian Barrymore, Aiden Hutchinson, and everyone else out there. You only got one more week. If you haven't won one so far, you got one more week. Although I will, I do think I'm going to give You're out. You're not going to go playoff big butts? I will, but some of these teams aren't making the playoffs. Yeah, so. I know. Right. Well, yeah, they're not in the running, but we're going playoff big butts. We are going to do playoffs, I mean, yes. that's, those are the extra special butts in the league. Yeah. Right? And then, so, uh, oh, oh, and then Pete notes, and, and if you're a listener, you're not getting to see this photo of Aiden Hutchinson. That is a, a butt photo, basically. I, that is. It's, 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 a, it's a very, <laughs> very firm right yeah. butt, buttocks there. It's shapely, well, maybe we says. should do that from now on. They're all butt photos? Well, they got to be butt photos. Like, you're a big butt award. In fact, maybe we shouldn't even. We, we have to. That's what we should do for now on. Go now. You have to guess who this butt is <laughs> as you kind of say a stats, and I'll figure it out. That might yeah. be something good for all the right, future. Right. We, you zoom in on just the butt. Then we can really say we're experts and go like, I actually know what his butt looked like. Yeah. Like I studied it. You go. I can identify every NFL player by his butt. It's like <laughs> yeah, a rare right. skill that we we're have. Gonna study your butt too up there. All, all right. right. So Kristen, well done. So Kristen, well done there. And next time it's just all all butts. <laughs> Uh, and now HR has made its way down That's to right. uh, level one of we this building. We made some people chuckle as we they did. walked we by. Made, That's what we're here. We offended them. Sunshine. We offended them and made them chuckle all at the same time. Uh, the last thing we'll do on the pod is we'll see how the homies are doing. In their playoff picks, we're tracking uh, your predictions that we had in the beginning of the season. 816 predictions rolled in, Chris. And, Pete, you've been tweeting out the, 
the spreadsheet, and so homies can check how they are doing. And if they forgot who they picked, you can remind yourself. So, I, sad news: none of the entries can still correctly predict all fourteen playoff teams. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I was hoping one homie would be able to. That's why the NFL is amazing, though, to do it. But thirteen smart, beautiful people. Pete notes here had them um, making the playoffs. The Giants. For the New York Giants. Oh, yeah. yeah. The them, New York them Giants. Them made the playoffs. <laughs> Look at them. Them <laughs> is good. <laughs> Skipped ahead there a little uh, a bit there. Uh, Chris, Pete, you did not have – how could you not have – how could you not have the Giants? Yeah, I no faith. Yeah, I know. What a bad fan I am. Uh, but you're happy. You're happy to be wrong yeah. there. Uh, as far as the Buccaneers, 83% had them winning the NFC South. See, we knew all along. We knew all along. It would be cruise right into the postseason. Fourteen uh, percent had them as the wild card, uh, which was which was okay. I, I almost give more credit to the fourteen people than the eighty-three percent. The fourteen percent than the eighty-three. Yeah, they just had them as a wild card because they knew there was trouble. Yeah, they were right. like, "What's gonna? Who's yeah. gonna pop up in right. the division?" There's, right. there's the real question brewing. is though, who did they pick to win the division? This would be the well, thing I want to know about well, those fourteen yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Falcons are. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, now. right. Uh, Jets. Fifteen people had them in the playoffs. Man, they were looking so good a Man, month and a half ago. Like geniuses. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Washington Commanders, 4.5% of you out there had them in the playoffs. Almost. I kind of give you credit. You went on a limb, and there was a good chance there a couple weeks ago. Uh, by the way, breaking news, the Commanders are going to start Sam Howell wow. Sunday versus the Cowboys. Wow. So they're going to see what he's got and you know, see maybe if they want to dabble in Sam Howell maybe is the answer for next year. Could he be, you think? I, I doubt it. I don't know really what you're going to – in one game in this scenario, I think it's always hard to just go, oh, we're going to get a true picture of what this guy can do here in this yeah. situation. Right? I liked him at North Carolina. I, I you saw you. the tape, and one of the things he did was, I mean, they just threw the ball down the field. Yeah. And you've got the weapons there in Washington to stretch the field. Yeah, so I know. Maybe it's a, right. it's a good matchup. It, it could be. And like we said, if Dallas plays over-aggressive, which they tend to do at times, maybe he'll have a chance to throw some balls down the field. As far as the – Carolina Panthers, 16% of you had them in the playoffs, including me. Oh, I put my faith in them again two years in a row. Damn. Oh. You were so close. It was, I was close. When yeah. it was 21, what, 21 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Oh, I was feeling so good. I was yeah. almost right. right. Uh, I give credit to myself. Raiders, 27% of you had them in the playoffs. That's not going to happen. Saints, 60, or 60% of you. That was me. Had the Saints in the playoffs, including you, including me. Yeah. Uh, NFC, I'm going to take some L's for sure. AFC, I don't. As I stand right now, am I? Am I? I guess I'm. What I'm missing, well, the Jacksonville is going to be. I had Tennessee, of course, in there. Oh man, you could have been a hero. You had I Bengals. Had, oh and yeah. All right, Dolphins. so I had, Ravens, Bengals, Dolphins. Yeah, Titans. I had the Ravens winning the division, Bengals. So yes, okay. yeah. Uh, I had the Dolphins in. I'm not out of that there. Not yeah, going to be terrible. Not out of it there. Titans could still get in, and then Dolphins can still be in. I can still have my seven teams in, in the AFC. Uh, I like that. NFC, yeah, there was a few curveballs there for sure. I don't think the Dolphins are getting in. I, I don't think the Titans are getting in. I, don't, I doubt it, too. We'll see. But you never know. You never One know. of those could. Uh, so that's it. So uh, Chris and Pete will post those results on Twitter we will. later today. Maybe we will. It's, it's probably already out there. Yeah.
I don't know if it is. I can't look right now. Well, I'm doing a the, show. At the time right? you're listening to this. Yes, but it, yeah, you're right. It will be out there. Um, and we're going to do our quarterback school videos here, so you can see those on social here in yep. a few minutes. We're going to break down a few plays from Raiders, Niners, Packers, Lions, Week 9. We'll show all that. Um, and then, again, continue to send in the questions. We'll see. We don't know where this NFL week's going totally. As it stands right now, I think we're having a normal Week 18, and they're going to scrap that Buffalo uh, new uh, Cincinnati game from, from Monday night. Um, but again, let's everybody keep DeMar Hamlin, his family, the Buffalo Bills in our prayers. You know, everybody out there, stay safe. I think it's a great lesson for us to appreciate our loved ones. Don't be afraid to go out there and, you know, tell a brother, an uncle, whoever you love them. And life is, is delicate for sure. Uh, but appreciate everybody tuning into the podcast today. Be good. Ahmed, you are the freaking man for riding or not riding, but driving the ship. That's yeah. what you were doing. And you were riding in it, too. I drive uh, yeah, occasionally, and, and then I jump yeah. in the passenger seat right. and ride right. along with and you. And damn, you look good in your gold <laughs> pants today. Yeah. All right, everybody, peace out. Have a good rest of your week. Check out me and Florida tomorrow on our Picks podcast. Clap it up. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.